Hebrews 12. It's been said that the Christian life is a marathon. But I think it's much more challenging than that. When track, when track athletes line up uh, to run a marathon race, they know uh, that the finish line awaits them exactly 26 miles ahead of them. Amen. Uh, they know that before they start, they know approximately it's going to take them two hours uh, or so. They know this before they begin. These marathon runners run most of the race on the open road and finish the course in the stadium with cheering fans. They know that. The Christian life is vastly different because we run most of our race uh, not on the open road, but in the faith. And we never know where the finish line is till we cross it. So I would say living for God is much more challenging than running the marathon. Hebrews 12.1, our stadiums of cheering fans uh, is not at the finish line. And this is a good thing. Uh, we're always surrounded, the Bible says, by a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on uh, along the way. It's true as you read the pages of the Bible, uh, as you read about men and women of faith that have went before us, so you can almost feel the cheers uh, of impressing you as you read, uh, pressing you to keep running, don't quit, keep the course, uh, run strong. Uh, I mean, how many's read the Bible and you feel that? You feel that it's almost supernaturally. It's like voices from the past uh, or in the stands, if you would, cheer you on, go, you can make it, uh, you can serve God, you can keep the faith, you can, uh, you know, whatever. It's, and the Bible said that's what's happening as we run this race. So let's go to our text, Hebrews 12. We read verse, just one verse here. It says this, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Father, I'm asking you tonight, God, to bless the word. God, I pray, let there be an anointing, a grace of God. Help us to make right decisions, give us dominion in life. God, help us to be a testimony. God, for you in this time, our generation, God, desperately needs to see uh, men and women of the faith, men and women standing strong in their uh, testimony, their obedience. I pray, help us be them people, God, in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen. <clears throat> uh, this, uh, the verse uh, preceding the, uh, is chapter 11, the Hall of Faith passage, uh, uh, chapter 11, but it describes Old Testament giants, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, uh, Deborah, uh, amen. Uh, they run life's course of great purpose, intensity. You read about uh, these people, we call them giants. But in their day, they were just trying to stay saved, stay right with God, uh, make an impact, but they become giants of the faith. So with that in mind tonight, let's Talk about running with the giants. Running with the giants. I took first to making a difference. I want to use several runners tonight. I'm going to talk about several men and women in the Bible and kind of tell you their story as quick as I can. Uh, Noah first, Genesis 6, verse 8, or verse 5. Lord saw how great, how, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And every and, and, uh, thought of their heart was evil. All the time the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. Verse 7. So the Lord said, I wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. 
uh, man, animals, creatures, and everything that moves on the ground, the birds of the air. For, I've, for it's grieved me that I've made them, verse 8, though, says, but no have found favor in the eyes of the Lord or, or in the sight of the Lord. One translation says Noah. The Bible said that Noah lived 950 years. Quite accomplishment, right? <laughs> 950 years, that would be a great accomplishment. Uh, but that's nothing compared to the way he lived his life. The Bible says uh, how he lived his life caught the eye of God, uh, caught the attention of God as all the earth's acting crazy. The Bible said a horde is filled with wickedness and unrighteousness. But Noah, uh, how he lived, amen, caught the eye of God. Uh, and because he lived in obedience before God, humanity is saved. You know, we don't always see the immediate effects of, of living a life of obedience to God, uh, but Noah was selected by God because of his obedience. Many times we just think, uh, you know, we're just going along being obedient, doing what's right, uh, and that's good, uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. God's watching. Uh, his obedience didn't just benefit him either. Genesis 7, 1 said, The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I found you righteous in this generation. Amen. Those closest to you benefit the most when you're obedient to God. We are simply make a decision. I'm going to do what's right. Uh, I'm going to be obedient to God in my life. Listen, your wife, if you're a husband, your children, uh, uh, amen, they all benefit from your decision of obedience. Once a young man observed a man in his 80s planting an apple ostrich. Uh, after watching for a while, the young man said, You don't expect to eat apples from those trees, do you? No, the old man replied, but somebody will. Amen. Our obedience touches people. Amen. Our obedience will touch uh, someone uh, close to us. Listen, how we live life affects those uh, who come up after us. Uh, because because of uh, uh, God's covenant with Noah, listen, we're surrounded uh, or we're assured that God will never flood the earth again. Uh, and all the other generations are benefited now because of what Noah did. Uh, God puts a rainbow in the sky as a covenant uh, to you and I. Every time we look up and see that, we can be assured that God's not going to flood the earth again. One man said this, said, when you see the rainbow, remember that one person can make a big difference. Let's talk about Esther. If Esther could be here today, she would tell us something like this. Uh, she would tell us that God has a place for you. God has a place for you. Much of Esther's life, she felt out of place. Her parents died when she was young. She was raised by her uncle Mordecai. She grew up in a strange country. She was taken to live uh, in the king's court. Uh, uh, but Esther came to realize uh, that she had been put in that place for a purpose, for a reason. Uh, she makes a stand for God. Uh, and because she makes a stand for God, we know she saves Israel. Uh, all these people, she would tell you and I today, stay faithful to God uh, because God has a place for you. Winston Churchill said these words, In every age there comes a time when a leader must come forward to meet the need uh, of the hour. That's exactly what she did, uh, Esther. For Mordecai, I requested of Esther. Uh, uh, she said that she should, uh, Amen, uh, stand and make a difference. That she should come forward, and she did that uh, uh, at great, uh, you know, at great risk. But she, God has a place for us in time. Let's talk about Joseph. 
If Joseph could speak to us today, he would say, take your dreams all the way. One man said, dreams are conceived long before they're achieved. Uh, the period of time between the birth of a dream uh, and its realization is always a process. Uh, and this is where many people stumble sometimes. But listen, we can dream with God. It's because, uh, uh, amen, many times we don't see our plans come to pass quickly. Uh, many people give up on their dreams. But consider what Joseph went through uh, in his life. He was misunderstood by his family, sold into slavery by his brothers, living in a strange country, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, uh, thrown into prison, forgotten by the chief, uh, the chef. Uh, uh, after all, all this, uh, we know, and this is a process. They say about 17 years uh, went by, so God gives him a dream. Uh, one day you're going to be a great leader, but the process. Amen. Time between things happen, uh, but we know that one day Pharaoh has a dream, doesn't he? Has a second dream, actually. Uh, and Joseph comes forward a Praise gets the interpretation, and all of a sudden, uh, that dream has uh, came to pass. He's the second command uh, in Egypt, and he's a savior to Israel. But you know, that dream from start to finish took 23 years. But he would tell us, keep your dream. Stay with it. Moses, talk about Moses. If Moses could speak to us today, he would say, live in the faith, faith zone, not the safe zone tongue twister there. Moses was born in uncertainty. Taken from his mother and placed in Pharaoh's house, uh, he grew up in a safe zone, uh, but risked it all at the age of 40. Now think about Moses. Uh, as a baby, he comes into Pharaoh's house as all he knows, the luxury of life, uh, all the good, the education, the military training, uh, all that he would have got from this position. But at 40 years old, uh, I no longer want to live it safe anymore, but I'm going to risk for God. He built a stirring in his heart. Uh, listen, there's more to this. Uh, I know God's calling me. God's speaking to me. He risked it all, uh, and it came out pretty good. One man said these words, sad is the day when a person becomes absolutely satisfied with life he is living, the thoughts he is thinking, the deeds he is doing, when there forever ceases to beat at the door of his soul, a desire to do something greater for God. The Bible said Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness of Miriam uh, uh, tending sheep. The desert became another safe zone for Moses. The Bible said, but when God called him uh, through the burning bush, uh, Moses stepped out of the safe zone once again uh, and began to risk again for God. Moses will tell you it's better to risk for God uh, than stay in the safe zone. Moses will say, step out, uh, take a risk. Moses was afraid, uh, uh, amen, but he got out of that safe zone and began to risk. Uh, and because he risked, listen, uh, God was able to send him back to Egypt to stand before Pharaoh. Uh, and we know the end result, uh, he is able to bring a, about 3 million people out of Egypt uh, to go into destiny with God. So listen, Moses will say, hey, take the risk. Let me ask you, will you risk tonight? Let's talk about Rebecca. If Rebecca would speak to us today, she would say, give generously to others. You know the story, Rebecca, became, uh, because of her generosity, uh, became Isaac's wife. Uh, she was asked for a cup of water one day. You know the story. Uh, 
uh, uh, Abraham's servant come to the camels uh, loaded down. He's looking for a wife for, his, uh, uh, for Isaac. Yeah. Uh, and he praised God, the one that uh, I asked for a drink of water. She said, I'll give you more than a drink. I'll, I'll you know, water your camels. And uh, she does that. She said, I'm going to give you a drink, but I'm also going to water your camels. And I thought about this act of generosity. She could have said, hey, you know what? Uh, just take the drink, hurry up. I'm in a hurry. But she took the time to be generous. She took the time to serve someone. Uh, and this took some time because uh, there's about 10 camels, they say. When he came bearing the gifts, they had 10 camels loaded down. Uh, each camel can drink about 20 gallons of water. So let's say 200 gallon. Two gallon, 200 gallon, I did some math here. 200 gallon drawing with a five-gallon bucket uh, is going to be 40 trips. 40 trips at three minutes each is going to be two hours. So the simple act of kindness took at least two hours. And not even we're not even counting the, uh, the exhaustion, the energy, the, the muscle cramps uh, that was involved in, in putting the bucket down, pulling the bucket up, uh, dumping it into the trough, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, this had to be exhausting. But she would tell you today, listen, generosity uh, and being a blessing to others is worth it. It's talking about Abraham. If Abraham could speak to us today, he would say, uh, God always does the right thing, even if it takes a long time. Abraham became the friend of God and the father of our faith. Uh, Abraham left his family, country. Abraham lived through a famine, uh, lived through family conflict, uh, uh, through, he lived through good times and bad times, but he kept uh, uh, in his heart, uh, God is going to keep his word. And we know God did keep his word. Years later, uh, him and uh, uh, Sarah, they have a son, uh, she, and the son becomes a, God keeps his word. Abraham would tell you, listen, it may take some time. Uh, Maybe in praying for some time tonight, God's put something in your heart. God spoke to you. Uh, listen, uh, don't throw that away. Don't throw it away. Don't give up on it. Abraham would say, listen, God will come through. Look at Nehemiah. If Nehemiah could speak to you tonight today, he would say this. Uh, no problem is too big when you have help. You know, the book of Nehemiah is a testimony of the power of a team. They accomplished what uh, could only be uh, 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 accomplished as people came together. The book of Nehemiah remained, uh, reminds us of the need for each other. Uh, uh, many times we can say, we don't need anybody. Uh, I, I'm good myself. Uh, that's not true. You read the book of Nehemiah, it shows us over and over uh, we desperately need each other. We need each other's friendship. We need each other's uh, 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 ability to fight the faith uh, for each other, amen, to stand for each other. And as they did that, we see in the book of Nehemiah, uh, the value of friendship and teamwork. Nehemiah reminds us that we stay together as a team and work hard. We can accomplish great things. Think about that. 52 days they rebuilt all the walls and hung all the gates. 52 days. Uh, it takes Congress that long to make a decision. <laughs> but think about 52 days, what they accomplished because everybody had a mind to work as friends. Let's talk about the servant girl here. If she was alive today, she would tell us uh, that the, that one small act uh, 
can make a big difference in, or one small act can make a big difference in someone's life. Her part was so small in Scripture, we don't even give her a name. Doesn't even mention her name. Second Kings 5. This little girl uh, was a mere slave owned by a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was a powerful general of the Syrian army, but he was a leper. How many knows this story? He's a leper, and she simply makes a statement. Uh, she'd been taken. Think about this little girl. She'd been taken from her homeland. She'd brought into his house to be a slave. And uh, to, she's probably washing the dishes, cleaning the, the clothes, uh, uh, sweeping the floors, you know, doing all this. Uh, uh, but he, and he's a leper. He's talking to she over here. Hey, you know, there's a man in Israel that can probably pray and get you healed. There's a man in Israel, I know that his, this is his name, uh, if you seek him out, and this little small act uh, made a big difference in somebody's life. Listen, these little small things in life. You just want to be a friend, tell somebody an encouraging word, uh, uh, speak to somebody, if you know they're going through, that one little word can make a big difference. Look at David. If David could speak to us today, he would tell us, uh, uh, that you can overcome the limitations that others put on you. You know, first, nobody believed in David. Nobody thought that he was, uh, had any potential. Uh, remember when Solomon or Samuel goes to Jesse's house, his father's house, uh, I want to anoint one of your sons king, bring them all out. Uh, uh, Jesse brought them all out, but David, he didn't think, his own father didn't even think he was worthy of even being in the lineup. Uh, and thank God Samuel had the mind of God. He said, listen, there, there has to be another one. When David wanted to fight Goliath, his oldest brother uh, accused him of being uh, prideful. King Saul responds to David by skepticism. Uh, uh, but you're just a youth. He's a, uh, a, a giant. He's been a warrior from his youth. Uh, and nobody believed in him. Everybody always said, hey, you know what? Just wait a little bit. You, you grow up a little bit. Goliath didn't see David as a proper opponent. Goliath uh, was offended at the sight of David, 1 Samuel 17, 43. Am I a dog that you would come to me? He had limitations put all over his life. One man said, you can easily determine the caliber of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage him. Uh, if you read about David, he's not discouraged here. He's not living in the dumps because nobody believes in him, uh, but he believes... Uh, that God can help him and God can move through his life. Uh, but he demonstrates to you and I, we can overcome limitations others put on us. We know David faced great opposition. Uh, everybody told David he had no potential. But listen, uh, once David threw the stone, <laughs> amen. Once David released that stone from that sling, uh, all the dynamics changed. Everybody began to believe in him a little bit. And listen, how God can turn things that quick and that uh, fast uh, when you stay in there, talk about Jonathan. Jonathan would tell us today, uh, it's worth being a faithful friend. Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful friend? Amen. When Jonathan saw David uh, after he killed Goliath, uh, he said, listen, David can be a better man than me. Uh, and I know he's a better man than my father, and he became a faithful friend to him. Listen, we can all be a faithful friend to someone. You know, Jonathan's friendship gave David great strength in the Bible. 
Listen, your friendship can help somebody greatly. Our text says again, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these people I'm talking about right here, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before. So we talked about the peoples before us. I mentioned just ten, uh, but there's uh, there's hundreds of men and women in the Word of God uh, that have went before us that have no name in Scripture, just kind of grouped in there. Uh, but they became a faithful runner, and they're they're in the stands today. Uh, but let's talk about you and I for a moment. Let me ask you, what is your name and uh, life speaking to those that are around you, to those that are coming up after you? Uh, because as I just said, if these people can speak to us today, their lives would say something uh, to us. Uh, their life would may, uh, make an impact somewhere. Is your life making an impact somewhere? Our text says, lay aside every weight and sin uh, that so easily ensnares us and let us run the, with endurance the race set before us. Uh, I mentioned Noah, Esther, Joseph, and the others. Uh, uh, they, didn't, they, they laid aside things. How many know they had to lay aside probably doubt, fear, uh, grievances? Uh, they had to lay things aside so they can be the man and woman God called them to be. That's our text says, listen, lay aside uh, every weight and sin. Uh, listen, don't let things get a hold of you and trip you up uh, and mess your spiritual life up where you cannot be the person God's called you to be. So lay aside uh, all this stuff so you can be what God's called you to be. You know, there's things in life our, our text calls weights. Their purpose is to slow you down, to discourage you from going on. Uh, these could be words spoken against your life. This could be a past failure, a physical illness. Uh, uh, it could be a number of different things. Uh, the Bible says, let it go. Cast it off. Uh, throw it to the side because, listen, uh, its design is to slow you down, to hinder you, uh, uh, that you cannot make the impact that God has called you to make. Our text says, cast them off. Uh, you cannot run a race uh, with 50 pounds on your waist. If I mean, if you've seen somebody line up, for the, everybody's lined up, you'll wait for the guy, and some guy, line, he got big, big weights, uh, you're like, that's silly. You know, you're not going to even finish the race. You're going to cramp up. Uh, but how many Christians do that? They carry all this baggage and all this weight. Uh, this is what Paul's saying. Listen, uh, you can't run with that. We have a, run, a race to run. Uh, you got to let this weight go. All right, it says cast them off. This means you may have to forgive someone. Or you may have to ask for forgiveness yourself. You may have to lay bitterness to the side, hatred to the side, uh, uh, so that you can finish the race <clears throat> that God's called you to run. Listen, the race is more important than what we feel, what we've been through. God has given us a race to run, and it's more important than anything else in life. You know, just saying, you might be, I don't want to feel your head tonight, but let me feel a little bit. You know, you might be the next Noah or Esther. You might be the next Joseph or Rebecca. You might be the next Nehemiah, but you will never know it if you keep the weights on. Think they didn't know who they were going to be. They just said, I'm just going to do something for God. They had no idea the impact of their life even today. As I said, uh, 
what they did is still touching other generations, but they had no idea at the time that God was going to use their, their life, their testimony, what they did uh, in such a powerful way to even touch people today. But, uh, but they said, you know what, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to do it right, and we can too. Listen, nothing is worse losing the race that God has called you to run. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul brings some clarity to this. says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize there, <clears throat> there's a, therefore run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. In other words, you run a race to win, right? I mean, I don't know anybody that runs a race. Well, if I come in last, I'm okay. No, we want to win the race. Paul said, we got to have that mindset in the Christian life. Uh, I want to win what God has for me. I want to accomplish uh, the race. Uh, but listen, Paul goes on to say, if we're going to do that, there's some things we need to do. Verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. This word temperate means not self-indulgent, but self-restrained, having a controlled temperate uh, uh, Paul said, if you're going to receive a prize, uh, you can't overreact, and sometimes you can't even react. Amen. If we're going to finish this Christian life strong and win a prize, we can't be triggered on everything. We can't over, we can't, you know, uh, somebody cuts you off, you can't run them over. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't. Paul said, listen, you got to hold, hold your testimony here. Verse 26, therefore I run not with uncertainty. This word uncertainty means confusion, wavering, doubt, lack of conviction. Uh, amen. You got to know what you know. Amen. You got to believe what you believe. Uh, give yourself to what God's called you to do. Paul said you have to have a certain mindset. Uh, so if we're going to be the people, we will be the people. Uh, if God tarries the next generation, they read the Bible uh, as we go on to be at the Lord, we want to be in this grandstand. It gives us the idea everybody that's been faithful, everybody that's went before us uh, is in this grandstand. Uh, and as other people are going along, uh, and super, I'm not sure how it's all working, but somehow supernaturally, we're able to inspire them to keep going. Keep going. Keep the faith. Keep running. Uh, keep believing. Uh, somehow that's, that's in there. Verse 26, Paul says, I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection. Let me ask you, are you just beating the air tonight? Paul said, I'm living, you know, he's like a boxer. You know, you're, you're a boxer, man, you're in that ring. You want to land some punches. You don't want to just beat the air up and have them beat, beat your face up. <laughs> you want to land some punches. So Paul's saying, I've disciplined my life. Uh, so my life will land some punches. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to. I'm. I'm working towards something here. But listen, we talked about those who went before us. But let's talk about our life here, because one day, listen, somebody will be telling the story about you and I. We're going to have to trust God in the race. It says, "Lay it." Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Listen, uh, there's so much depending on how we live for God. Noah, so much depended on him simply being obedient. 
So much depended on Rebecca just being generous. So much depended on Esther just rising up and stepping forward. Uh, so much depends on how you and I live for God. Let me close with this tonight. Our text shows us that we're a team. Every new generation is connected to the last. And every generation yet to come is connected as well. We're like uh, uh, baton runners. I mean, if you've ever seen them, uh, uh, it's, you know, as they run, you know, they get the, their hand a baton off. It's kind of like we are from one generation to the next. Uh, amen. The last generation of uh, their hand the baton to you and I, and one day you and I will hand this baton off. Uh, but how we live, how we run our race is going to matter. You know, we've all said it or at least heard it. If it wasn't for our mother's prayer, if it wasn't for my father's example, I wouldn't be here the past generation. It wasn't for them. It wasn't for their exampleship. It wasn't for the decisions they made to stay together, to love, uh, to love each other, to stay saved. Uh, uh, who knows? So much depends on you and I doing this right. Just make your life count for Jesus because others are watching you. You know, you, you know, kids are watchers, aren't they? They watch mom and dad, good or bad. <laughs> and how you respond to circumstances speaks a message. What you do for God speaks a message. And listen, we've got to give them something that they can uh, take to the next generation or live in their life. Uh, as I'm reading the Bible, as I'm studying this out, I'm just reading the Old Testament today. Uh, I'm blown away at the people who just simply made decisions to live for God. Uh, I'm going to do what's right. There's even nothing uh, uh, in the horizon, any promises. They simply just made decisions. I'm going to live for God. But listen, as you read through the Bible, you see that decision uh, triggers something here, triggers something over here, uh, and now other generations are being blessed simply by somebody saying, I'm going to live for God. I want to challenge you tonight, make your life count. Let's run the race with the giants tonight. We'll bow our heads tonight.